The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. Here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert Weekend. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to this beautiful Saturday afternoon broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can call us down at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop by and see us at the range, which is located at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine, right across the street from DPNL, and we'd be more than glad to talk with you. If you want to get in on today's show, please call us here at the studio at 457-1290. That's 457-1290. And tell us what you're thinking about, anything you'd like to know. We'll be more than glad to discuss any gun-related or ancillary gun-related issues that you you may interest, be interested in. Um, I'm going to start off today's show by letting our listeners know that this will be our last live broadcast until the 28th, so we'll be off the air for three weeks. 29th. This 29th, Saturday. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's... Uh, Today's the first, yes. That's right. Today's Happy the February. Already. Yeah, there's another month gone. I rem- I warned everybody last week about Christmas. It's now less than 11 months away, so you better get, get on the horse. But um, uh, again, we, we would like to, we're going to stay up on things, see how things are going, uh, make sure that you pay, uh, tune in, or, or at least wa- watch our Facebook feeds, and we'll see if we can get some, some other uh, things out there if anything comes up, because... Uh, Right now, everything's kind of at a standstill, both both at the national level and the state level. That's both good and bad, I guess. Uh, it's good in the sense that there's um, not going to be damage yeah, if they're not doing earth, anything. Earth shattering right now, but it's bad in the sense that things like this have happened in the past. And there's it used to be the case, I think, not so much now, but 15, 20 years ago, they would backdoor things and sneak them by because there weren't watchdog groups like the Buckeye Firearms Association, the NRA, the ILA. Uh, us looking at things and kind of keeping up on things. So um, things kind of skid by, they, they went by uh, unnoticed until all of a sudden it became an issue when a bill was becoming law. So we're, we're trying to stay up on things like that. And right now everything's just kind of churning slowly. And uh, we'll keep up on that and be sure to report, um, report anything that comes up. I want to just also talk about, uh, I've, I've mentioned so many times how um, the current events kind of give us a, a feel for outcomes. And, and right now, this uh, impeachment debacle um, is likely to come to an end this, uh, this last week. But the, the more important take from this is um, when you look at how uh, the rule of law, due process, and the Constitution is, is being attacked um, on a lot of different fronts, but particularly how uh, um, the Democrats have pretty much pushed those things aside and they don't pay a whole lot of attention to those very uh, um, deeply cherished principles that our country was founded on that we value oh so, you know, uh, so much. And then uh, you look at what's going on in the Virginia gun grab where the um, now democratically controlled uh, legislature um, in Virginia is starting to put forth their anti-gun agenda. And um, you look at comments that have been made uh, over the last several months, several weeks, 
Elizabeth Warren made a comment that uh, if she becomes president, she would move towards making it a crime for people to uh, disseminate disinformation that essentially basically doesn't go along with her way of thinking. Um, and then uh, uh, Chairman Nadler in, in the most recent uh, uh, hearings mentioned that he accused the senators of conspiring for a big cover-up, a cover-up that he and uh, Adam Schiff said was uh, bigger than the, the Watergate uh, cover-up. Again, not, no basis for him to make that comment, a direct insult to uh, his fellow senators or the senators across the aisle from the House of Representatives, but he, he, with no reservation, matter of fact, one time he hurriedly got to the mic so that he could deliver insulting comments. Uh, um, Speaker Pelosi asserted this. This really kind of blew my mind when she asserted that the president attorney should be disbarred just because they promoted a defense that um, uh, appears to be going to likely be the, the result in a winning outcome. All of a sudden, uh, they should be disbarred because they did what they are paid to do and what the Constitution kind of uh, directs them to do, and that's to provide a defense for an accused individual who, by the way, is uh, not guilty uh, uh, or who is innocent until proven guilty in, and, in this particular case. And isn't really actually charged with anything. There's no criminal offense that is included in any of the charges that were brought by the House impeachment manager. So that you you put all those together and then you say we're building a defense that says the charges are essentially specious, having no strength or meaning at all. And so she's saying they should be disbarred because they're stating the case for the president. Uh, it The, well, the Mark, nuttiness that's been going on over the last few weeks, even though it started even before yeah. the president was elected, much less yes. um, inaugurated, the, this whole thing has been just crazy. And it's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. There's a whole lot of things that needed to get done. And some got done anyway. Yeah. The USMCA, for example, um, being able to get the, the a new trade deal arranged with Canada and Mexico and the United States to replace something that a lot of people looked at as a, as a serious problem and wasn't a, a good deal for any of us and was causing more problems than it was solving, even though the intent may have been good. The implementation just it didn't work the way uh, people had hoped. It did work the way some people had feared, unfortunately. And we have no idea yet how this will work, but it looks like this will be an improvement for everyone. The fact that that actually was delayed and held up and and finally got through is just one indication of some of the consequences of this intense focus on something that is really going to end up being no change. Absolutely. And, and, and the big thing is, Mark, we talk about um, some people, many of them refer to them as our leaders. They're not our leaders. They're our representatives. That's and a really important point. Absolutely. And you realize that there are 535 people who are our representatives from the various parts around this country who go to D.C. and they should be moving to um, advance the will of the people as opposed to engaging in a power grab to sustain their own agenda and to keep things going the way they think they should go. And, and granted, they need to go. I think representatives need to go forth and promote the will of the people that they represent. But at the same time, I think they need to be mindful of the fact that they have a job to stay constantly to um, focusing on the will of the people as opposed to their own particular narrative. And I think they've gotten way off track well, recently. It, it's, actually, it's actually more than that. They have a primary duty to the Constitution. Yes. And unfortunately, far too many people have forgotten that 
and have instead focused on either the will of the people or the will of their party, which, you know, again, that there's a whole lot of questions about whether or not parties have been beneficial. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, the division in this country is people sometimes won't even talk and they, they can't hold a rational conversation with somebody they disagree with. And nobody learns that way. Well, you know, I told, uh, we've talked several times about people getting a hold of their elected officials and, and letting them know how you feel. In this uh, last week, just a couple of the many emails I've sent, one to uh, Senator Portman and one to, believe it or not, um, to Senator Manchin down in West Virginia. I particularly, even though he's a Democrat, I've admired in, in what I describe as his courage over the last several years when his party was moving towards uh, the all-green agenda and uh, doing away with fossil fuels. And, you know, West Virginia is uh, dependent it's upon coal the coal country. industry. Absolutely. And um, he stood up and said, wait a minute, my constituents, they don't want to go that direction. And uh, he was... I, I think he was instrumental in things not moving as fast as the previous administration would have liked to have moved that agenda. But I think he was very grateful once the current administration got in place to see that the deregulations that, that, that occurred that directly impacted the economy in the state of West Virginia. And uh, I, I applauded him for the taking his stance, and I urged him to to get along, to, to forget about party uh, affiliation, as you mentioned, and let's start looking at what's going to be best for this country and for the people that they represent. So it's unlikely that we're going to see a lot of people change, you know, that there will be a lot of voting across party lines. The only vote so far that's been bipartisan was the vote against submitting the impeachment in the House. Um, and you know, I don't, I think that's a problem. Um, there were obviously, there were a couple of, uh, senators who voted or three senators, I guess, who voted two two senators who voted, um, to against the party to have additional witnesses, even though, uh, the, you know, the argument that doing so would set a precedent that says the house doesn't have to complete their, their presentation of the case. And, then the the Senate should pick that up, and there's uh, we're not going to get into yeah, yeah. into the deep weeds about well, that. But well, there's, but the there's a lot of there, bad Mark, things the that happen. The big thing there is they're just willing to overlook the Constitution and the the rule of law because basically the the way situations or or, or we want to call it a trial or hearing proceed is there are kind of rules of order and there are governing strictures that dictate how things can go. You just can't kind of run something up the flagpole and if it doesn't stay up there and it falls down, then try something else and throw a little mud on the wall and if it doesn't stick, throw another another pile of mud against the wall. And that's just not how things are done. And But again, I think it goes back to just how willing certain individuals, I don't think it's the entire party. And what you said earlier is very important. There were people who voted one way or another, mainly because of, they're more concerned about their political future than they are about what's better for this country. And that's, that's, that's a shame that we're in that situation. Well, we haven't really spent too much time on gun issues today. And if you've got one that folks that you'd like to join in on this show and you'd like, you have a question that you'd like answered, we would love to be able to have a discussion with you and you don't have to agree with us. And and I, I did that deliberately because even though it's not gun related, the foundation for the gun control movement is based on the ideology of the people who want to do the things that they're doing. They want to control the way we live our lives, whether it's limit the types and and number of guns we can have or what we can say about guns or about basically any issue that we have uh, uh, concerns about or how how our health care should be handled. It's all about people control 
Um, and I think that sometimes we've gotten so wrapped up in just saying gun control, and you've been quick to mention several times, Mark, that it isn't about gun control. It's about people control. And yeah, that's it's about why control. It's not about guns. Yeah. And and that's something that, of course, you know, we're well aware of and we focus on a lot. But those same kinds of attitudes that lead to it's okay for us to ignore the Second Amendment can just as easily lead to it's okay for us to ignore the Fifth Amendment and your right to property or the Fourth Amendment um, and the, you know, the all, all these yeah. search and seizure and so forth. So um, and your right to an attorney in the Sixth Amendment. Uh, we not too many people have been concerned about the Third Amendment, but they put it in there because the government was, in fact, forcing people to take soldiers into their home and and lodge them and give them quarters. And that was something that they were concerned about that never happening again. Well, that hasn't been one that's been at great risk very often in this country. So we have focused on a lot of the other ones that were not granted by but guaranteed by pre-existing rights to individual liberty, individual property, the right to speak, and those things. All right, we're going to need to take our first break for the hour. But again, if you'd like to join in this conversation, give us a call at 457-1290. We'd love to uh, get your input into our show today. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and if you want to get in on the show with us today, please call us here at the studio at 457-1290, and we'd be more than glad to talk with you. I want to talk now, kind of get to a little bit of gun-related stuff. This past uh, week, we had our—actually, last weekend, we had our inaugural rapid response to active killer class at the Sim Trainer, and uh, the class was full. We uh, originally had it uh, booked for 12, and then there was a a group of two that needed to come— uh, together because one uh, um, needed his assistance for the class. And so we ended up with 13 in the class, and uh, it was an overwhelming success. Uh, we uh, shot a whole lot of rounds. We exposed them to a lot of circumstances. Uh, that particular class, if you remember, uh, that class is for anybody that might be in a position where uh, they're, they're going to be maybe in a security function at a church, a private business, a school, um, they're just with a group of people, whatever the case might be. Or be. The focus of the class uh, centered around uh, reviewing some of the selective incidents that have happened around the country, especially in recent years, looking at the dynamics and, and the, the different situations that people or uh, congregations are, are encountering. Um, we then talked a lot about uh, mental preparation because uh, so many people who are in this capacity are of the belief that just because I have my concealed handgun license that I am ready to serve in the capacity of armed response at a particular location. And I just want to, I'll leave it at this. I think anybody that gets their concealed handgun license needs to take uh, training above and beyond that. Um, They certainly need to shoot on a regular basis to become kind of masters of their trade, as opposed to just going to a class where they spend, they spend in most cases, no more if that, if as much as two hours on the range 
and then they get their license and they start carrying their guns, realizing that there are just over, I think, or around 700,000 concealed handgun licensees in the state of Ohio. Um, my experience is the majority of them don't shoot very much. I wish that was different, but uh, I got to go with what I see and what I hear. And um, I want to encourage people that if you're uh, certainly going to get involved in the security process, you need to uh, do extra practice. And I strongly urge you to consider taking training like this because the mental preparation for true life uh, deadly force situations is, is something that everybody needs to go through. And uh, we did a good job last week kind of bringing these uh, issues to the fore and bring them to a level of conscious awareness so people who um, maybe were thinking about, well, I, I shoot pretty good when I'm sit, standing in a stall at a target 15 or 20 feet away. Well, we moved them downrange. We put up um, um, innocent targets in their field of fire. We had them change the angle of fire. We increased the distances out to 50 feet at some cases where they had to take shots because um, we look at the dynamics of these kinds of altercations that they might or, or situations where they might have to defend people in a, a different types of environments, and it's not always going to be close up and personal. So we, we tested them, we taxed them, we trained them, we worked hard, they worked hard, and uh, it was an exhausting eight hours. We did it over two four-hour blocks, and uh, um, we will be putting up some video over the, in the next couple of weeks so people not only can read the description but see some of the dynamic uh, drills that we put you through that it really gets you in a good situation to make you feel good about handling your firearm. There were a lot of hostages that died. In the, in the process, but uh, the the beauty of it is that nobody was actually injured, and that's the part of training aggressively like that. You you begin to see what are some of the areas that you need to work on. What are some of the things that you will experience when stress becomes part of the equation? And that's again talking about mental preparation for the violent encounter. That is something that. You can't do if you're just standing in a stall shooting at a stationary target. Well, relative to what you said, Mark, I did a small presentation on the effects of fear in stressful situations. One of them is you get tunnel vision. Well, almost everybody, and one of the things, in a couple of the exercises we had, we had balloons that were kind of floating in the field of fire simulating um, innocent people that were in the field of fire that had been shot. And the people or who shot froze. them didn't even realize yeah. they did it because they were focused so intensely on what they were doing. Now, that's a good thing because their attention was directed at the threat where it needs to be directed at. But the point I wanted to make was that when we talk about the effects of fear, whether you know, they talk about uh, freeze, uh, flight, or runaway, or, or, or freeze, and then the other things like uh, tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, sensory deprivation— they experienced all of those to varying degrees, and what we try to do is ramp up the stress, even though it's prefabricated, in a variety of different ways. So they have to perform basic gun handling and proficient shooting in a dynamic situation, and that's the value. Yeah, one of the things that we used for hostages was balloons, uh, and when they were floating, and when people would shoot a balloon and they didn't even know it, and that was, I mean, it's like they couldn't believe that they'd shot the balloon until they saw the balloon on the floor, and that's the kind of thing that that it really does emphasize just how when you're focused on the threat, you may not see other things, and it's important that you be prepared for that. All right, we're going to take our uh, break to go into the newsroom. Uh, again, if you'd like to give us a call and be a part of this show, we'd love to have you. Call the studio at 457-1290, and we will get you up on the board. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. 
It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's news and talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's news and talk. Welcome back to the show, and if you want to get in on today's show, please call us here at 457-1290, and we'd be more than glad to talk with you. Right before the the break, we were um, uh, talking about our class last week, the response to active killer training that we did, and how dynamic it was, and and we talked about how um, several times some of the people who participated in the training ended up uh, shooting the hostage balloons that we had um, in in the, the front or in the field of fire of they, the They the weren't bad very guys. smart hostages, I'll yeah. tell you that. They were... <laughs> Now, people might say, well, what do you mean they were hitting the, the, the good guys? Well, you got to understand, in order for training to be dynamic, you got to try to replicate the situation as best as you can. Well, obviously, we can't have real people in the field of fire, so we do the next thing. And we, we tried have, to figure out a way. But... We have paper targets. And then the other thing I came up with was because they're a little bit more dynamic and that they don't, they don't blow a lot. We could have made them blow a lot blow a lot more by using the fan, but they just kind of float around and we had them at different heights and at different distances between the, um, the person responding and the bad guy. We had realistic humanoid bad guy targets with guns and we had different scenarios set up and it was very valuable because we literally made the people, as Mark mentioned, we, they had to change their angle of fire. Sometimes they got ready to shoot and all of a sudden a balloon kind of blew right into the field of fire. So that's just like a real situation. You remember the situation down in Texas one of the most recent incidents, the the um, the, the heroic uh, uh, church security team member that ended up shooting the bad guy um, has now gone on record to say that he changed his uh, point of aim when a person inadvertently stood up to climb over a pew in his field of fire. So he went from center mass and then ended up doing a headshot and uh, took the, the, the suspect down. But um, that's something that people need to think about. And again, in a rapidly evolving, highly stressful, very dangerous situation, unless you've been acclimated to that, you understand the effects of fear um, on your body and you're, you've practiced kind of performing that way. And that's kind of the key component of the training we do in, down at Sim Trainer. We try to replicate stress in dynamic situations because we know that sitting in a stall just shooting at a stationary target while you're, st- while you're stationary with no time limit, with no threats, nothing of that nature in the field of fire, that's just practice. That's practice doing the basic mechanics, and that's, that's, that's important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But being able to we, – we, our definition of advanced training is nothing more than uh, being able to apply the fundamentals under increasingly challenging circumstances. And if uh, when you have a chance over the next couple of weeks once we get them posted, please take the time to look at some of the videos of some of the training exercises we do because they're very intense, and that's by design. Um, not a single person – uh, said that they felt that they were overwhelmed. They felt that they were challenged. They were taxed. Some, actually, two people on the evaluation said, I want even more. What was the term they used, Mark? More uh, aggressive or more yeah, uh, intense they, training? Yeah, intense, intense training. Mm-hmm. They kind of exaggerated that because they, they recognized that's what they need in order to get themselves ready. So that's something that you can uh, um, look forward to when you come to that class. One of the things though, that I'd like to mention about the follow-up, so what happens after you have an intense training like this? One of the things that you will learn is where some of your gaps are. So that gives you much better opportunity to then focus on what you need to practice when you go to the range and practice with a purpose. Practice to work on some of those things that you had trouble with 
Some of them you might not be able to do without the uh, intense situation and the setup and the moving targets and the various uh, things like that. So some of those things you can't work on, but there are basic fundamentals that you can work on and places where you'll identify your own personal weaknesses, and then that's how you can begin to work to strengthen those areas. And then when you come back to additional training, you'll be better prepared to deal with those situations. That's such an important point, Mark. And that's kind of been the case throughout the, our existence at SimTrainer. Um, one thing we recognized last week, we, we had actually, the people had to have actually completed our advanced handgun series, or they had to undergo an individual diagnostic test with me where I was assessing their ability to be ready for this class because just because you had a concealed handgun license, which was only one of the requirements, doesn't mean you were ready for the intensity that we were going to put them through. So they actually had to come in, show that they knew how to efficiently draw their firearm, reholster their firearm, load, charge, uh, handle malfunctions, that sort of thing. And those are the areas, as I mentioned before, and Mark just reiterated, the, the things that they need to work on were kind of exaggerated because they were used to practicing them in relatively stagnant circumstances. But when you put them under just a little bit stress, their grip changes a little bit. Things don't, they don't see or feel things a certain way. And it just didn't work out the same way. So they had to actually work on those to make sure um, that they're going to be- get better. And like Mark says, that gives them the reason and the focus to practice with the purpose once they were finished with the class and between their next training session. One of the things that is something that we train in our class and that most people, especially if they've been through the full uh, advanced handgun series, have done many times is what you would call a tactical or administrative reload, where you're reloading the gun, not in an emergency situation where the gun is run dry, but it's an opportunity when the threat is neutralized and you're before you put the gun in your holster, you take out a new magazine, exchange the one that's less than full in your firearm, and then get the gun ready to go again. And it's amazing just... You know, even though we know these people, everybody's been trained to do that, it's something that if you don't do it on a regular basis, you are, it's not becoming automatic. And then when you need to do it, it's something you have to think about. And there are ways of doing it that are less effective. And sometimes that's, you know, you just have to go back and focus again on those fundamentals. Let's uh, jump out to the phone and talk to Bill, who's calling from uh, Miami Township. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, Sarge, this is actually Fire Marshal Bill. How are you today? How you doing, Bill? Glad to hear from you. What's up today? You know, I'm not always inclined to call or anything, but, you know, I just was driving thinking today that the fact that we have the opportunity to sit and listen to a show like this that has taken on so much importance because what's going on in this country can't be overstated. And uh, I think you guys are doing everybody a public service by keep us informed and, uh, we have to fight what's going on against what's right in this country. Well, Bill, I, I appreciate those comments. You're a treasured friend and a, a, obviously a valuable listener. Uh, this is what we have the show for because we got to get the word out there. And sometimes it extends beyond just um, you know guns and bullets. And then that's kind of why we've taken it to the point where we got to look at the totality of the circumstances, as we've mentioned so many times, and, and, and try to get information out there so people can make informed decisions when they're faced with that opportunity. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot that, uh, you know, WHIO is willing to have a show like this as well. So that's all I had to say. Have a good good day, you guys. Thanks, Bill. Have a good day, too. And, and again, we are very thankful to WHIO who believed in us um, many years ago, coming up on 11 years. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, it'll be 11 um, years in 11 May. 11 years on the, on the air. And uh, they believed in us, and um, we're very grateful to them that they give us this opportunity 
And uh, what a great news network. I've mentioned so many times, turn off the mainstream media, tune into WHIO, whether it's on your TV or on the radio, and you're going to get true news because the people here, and we've seen so many of them work their ways from, uh, they come into the, 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 the business uh, at one level, and then they progress through the organization. Some leave the organization. Some become, you know, top-notch uh, reporters or, or uh, broadcasters, whatever the case Instructors. might be. Instructors. Instructors. It's just a wonderful thing. Um, and Tommy, to- yeah. the man who set us up, Tommy Collins, uh, he's a, um, a world-class act and a, a great instructor. He's, uh, he's on the top of his game when it comes to radio broadcasting. He kind of laid the foundation for me. I know Mark has a little bit of a prior background based on his uh, prior life experiences, but this was new to me. And uh, he kind of got us going, and it was just great, and it's been a wonderful run. But thanks, Bill, for that, uh, that compliment. We really, ap- we really appreciate it, and we take it serious. Um, getting back to some of the issues relative to training, some of you probably um, or likely are not involved in uh, uh, security teams at different institutions. However, you want to take your training to the next level. Well, the, the next thing that we're uh, putting up online and, and coming up with is uh, what we're going to call CCW Beyond the Basics. Um, it's a class where you're going to have the opportunity to also go downrange. Uh, shoot at targets, more related to the typical uh, personal safety, self-defense type scenario, up close and personal, multiple shots in a short period of time, uh, a little bit of movement, uh, the bad guy moves, um, being able to take care of all the things that you have to take care of. You're going to learn how to draw, how to reholster. Um, and some people say, well, you know, you, you just go get a gun and you get a holster and you put it. No, it's not that way. Actually, I would argue that um, drawing and reholstering are probably some of, if not the most difficult skills for people to learn, um, number one, it's not they, they they automatically assume it's going to happen naturally, which it doesn't, and it's probably one of the least practice skills. We have a lot of people who you know, they say just that they bought a gun, they got a holster online, they put the gun in the holster, and every day they put that gun on their belt and they go forward. Well, we would argue that that's the wrong approach, and we want you to spend some time training. So not only we give you the training, we give you the skills that you can practice on your own. Um, at home, a lot of the drawing and reholstering is going to be done at home with a gun that's been unloaded, triple check to make sure it's unloaded, and then we give you opportunities to help uh, to be able to do that because obviously we cannot safely let people draw from the holster out on the range without supervision. Well, with a loaded gun. With a loaded so if gun, you want to yes. come do and if you want to have a really good safe place to do that and you want to come to the range, unload your gun, clear it, and then go through all those the techniques and practice them so that they do become automatic. It, as Jeff mentions, it's not something that is, it's something that you have to train. It's something that you have to practice. If you just think that under stress, you're going to be able to get your gun out of your holster simply because all you got to do is take the gun out, you are, you're going to be sadly lacking. And so that's one of the things that we used to cover in our concealed carry class when the class was 16 hours long. Yeah. And when we made the class eight hours, that's one of the things that we had to cut out. Well, we didn't make it eight hours, but when the state well, went to the minimum or the MAC, I guess they call it the minimum minimum eight-hour class. We and were, people wanted an eight-hour class. Yeah, so when we went down to an eight-hour class, that was one of the things that got cut. We still do cover that in our advanced handgun training, advanced handgun level one. But this will be an opportunity, and this is on the 15th is our first class. So if you'd like to be part of that, uh, the, the class is now listed on our website. You can go out there and read more detail about the description and uh, find out what you need to do, get signed up for it. There are there are still slots left in that class, so if you'd like to do that, you can go out to our website at sim-trainer.com, go under the Classes tab, and scroll down to where it says CCW Beyond the Basics. One other thing that you'll be interested in uh, learning there is that we're going to have you, you'll have the opportunity to complete both the Ohio Peace Officers Training Academy 
uh, law enforcement qualification and private security qualification. That doesn't mean you have to do that to pass the class, but we're going to show you what it takes and we're going to push you to perform at that level so you can say you've met the same standards as people who, who carry a gun for a living. Another class I want to let you know about is coming up soon is on February 12th is our Defensive Force Decisions uh, being taught by retired uh, uh, Dayton Police Chief or Police Lieutenant Dave Williams. Uh, he's taught this course a couple of times, but this is going to be an opportunity for you to go to a class where they're going to kind of bring the law to life instead of just talking about the basic fundamentals. And, and uh, even though Mark does a wonderful job in our concealed carry class doing that, um, Dave's going to take it to the next level. So if you want to learn a little bit more detailed information about the um, deadly force decision and what's all involved, uh, please consider taking that particular class. It's on a Wednesday evening, February 12th from uh, 6 to 10, and the, the cost is $50. We also have coming up later in the month. That's not a shooting class, by the that way. That is not a shooting class. That's right. That's just uh, sit there and absorb the information, ask questions, and Take engage notes. in meaningful yep. discussion, watch some videos, that sort of thing. We have our private security basic class coming up the last uh, uh, weekend of the month, last weekend of February. The 22nd. Tw well, that's... Well, that is the last yeah. full weekend. Last but, full weekend, because yeah, that class goes 10 hours each on Saturday and Sunday. So the, the that's the mandatory 20 hours for people who want to be certified guards. And then right after that, the following week, we'll have the um, private security requalification the following Sunday. So look at those classes on our website and see if that's something we can do for you. All right, we're going to take our last break for the hour. If you'd like to be a part of the show, again, you have a last opportunity to do that for the next three weeks. We'll be off the air. Uh, give us a call at 457-1290, and we'll get your call, comments on the air. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. Welcome back to the show. We only have a few minutes left, so I want to tell you about something very exciting that's coming up this next week. Thanks to our good friends, uh, our good friend Evan English and uh, the, uh, the old English gun store up in um, Tip City. We were able to get our hands on a Glock 44 22 pistol, which we are going to use as what we call a premier gun for the month of February before we make a determination whether or not we're going to put it on the um, the range program, we're going to give people an opportunity to come in for the price of $10 plus the cost of a box of ammo. You're going to be able to shoot that gun and uh, uh, see if it's something that you want to add to your arsenal. Um, I will tell you right now, and we'll have uh, a review. Dave is going to do a review of the gun next week. Um, the gun basically uh, looks like a Glock 19, although it's an all-polymer frame with a polymer um, slide. And, uh, I'm sure, you know, obviously the barrel and some of the internal components are made of metal, but it looks, it's, it's Glock, it's Glock quality. So they, they spent a lot of time developing this. It's probably long overdue, but Glock makes decisions that are usually, usually timely for their business model. And it works out great, but suffices to say, it's probably going to be a good shooter, but come in and see for yourself beginning next week, you'll be able to shoot the Glock 44 at Sim Trainer for $10 plus the Price of a box of ammo. Mark, let's run right off to the phones. And let's uh, talk to Tony, who's calling from Eastern Hills. Uh, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you. No, I was calling, uh, I hadn't heard it mentioned, but uh, the situation in Virginia, uh, the one candidate that's running on the Democratic primaries, uh, Michael Bloomberg, he pumped a bunch of money into those state races in Virginia. And he's been actually doing that across the country? 
Yeah. Uh, he is he's doing everything that he can to number one oppose Trump and number two get gun control across the country in ways that um, it, it's something that we wouldn't have seen before. Even even during the Clinton gun ban that restricted uh, the modern sporting rifles, uh, yeah, what he would do would would put all of that to shame. Should he uh, have the opportunity? Yeah, well, he's got that fifty to seventy billion dollars behind him. Okay. And he don't mind spending it. Well, that's good. I kind of, you know, I'm I'm kind of hoping he does spend it. Um, <laughs> just take that much out of it'll it'll raise a lot of awareness. I think that the uh, the community of people who understand and respect the Second Amendment, uh, meaning exactly what the founders meant it to mean, uh, is much larger than I think he realizes. Uh, there, he's a little bit in an echo chamber, and so he has people around him who believe the way he believes because those are the people that he pays to be around him. And, and also keep in mind that in Virginia, those legislators are, are already backed off their proposals they made last fall where they were pretty much moving for initial confiscation. Now it's going to be something totally different than that. They're, they're, I guess they're labeling it as a semi-registration type thing, and they're given deadlines. And again, all the details aren't worked out, but there's a lot of uh, things that have to be resolved in those cases. There's going to be several court cases that are going to determine the extent to which they're going to be able to try to impose their will on the people. But thank you very much for that call. That's something that we're keeping very close eye on. Yeah, we absolutely recognize that uh, that can be a dangerous threat to our liberties. And the fact that he does have... Uh, whatever number of it's something well over fifty billion dollars to work from. That's you know that's ten times more than Trump had to work with, and Trump don't didn't spend anywhere near as much as some people thought he would uh, in order to get elected. Because number one, he got a lot of free media uh, from you know from all of the people going nuts about the fact that Trump is running for president. But uh, Bloomberg is not going to get as much free media, and so he doesn't have any problem with spending that money on it. He said he's going to spend two to three billion dollars just on opposing Trump. So uh, thanks very much, Tony, for the call. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's something that you know, we're certainly going to keep an eye on because, as I mentioned earlier, that is just kind of the test run. I think that's the test run in this country to see how far or what the people will stand for and just uh, what will actually happen. Let's see, uh, we've already heard and we've talked about how the sheriffs in many of the counties in Virginia have declared themselves to be sanctuary, gun sanctuary counties, and they've already directed their officers are not going to enforce that uh, those provisions. And now there are even counties in Ohio that are starting to say, we're looking at this, uh, we're, the, 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 uh, the boards, the you know, the commissioners are saying, we think we also want to be a Second Amendment sanctuary. Don't know exactly what that's going to mean. Uh, I would love to see every county do that. There are many bills that have been proposed, and we've gone over them over the last uh, few months. And uh, again, we've got people that are helping us kind of keep an eye on things. And, you know, the Buckeye Firearms Association, the NRA, all those organizations are they they're, have very watchful eyes on what's going on in the Ohio legislature in particular, because there's a lot of there were a lot of rumblings after the tragedy in in the Oregon district about to do something, and a lot of the do something is just it's come down to uh, uh, kind of shore up the mental health, shore up the reporting process, um, increase the penalties for uh, uh, people who uh, commit straw purchases, buy guns for people who are, are not entitled to own or possess or certainly use firearms. But uh, we're keeping up on those things, and we'll see where that goes. But there's not much we can report on until we hear how bills are progressing or, or what the, the orientation of certain 
um, individuals is towards passage of those bills. And as we roll closer to the election, the number of uh, activities that occur on these bills typically gets smaller simply because um, these kinds of things show up after the election and they start actually uh, finalizing um, uh, a bill and maybe consolidating several bills and then rolling them together into one gun bill, the one gun bill for that session that then gets through. Uh, There's certainly many things that are in the queue. Uh, the Buckeye Farmers Association, if you go to their legislation guide, is it gives you a good summary of the bills, the bills that they support and they oppose. That's their opinion. Some of those we, a lot of those we agree with their assessments. Uh, but what's more important is that the information is there and you can do your own assessment. Mark, tell our listeners where they can follow us over the next three weeks on Facebook the best way and what would be the best well, way for them. to. Of course, the easy way to get there is to go to sim-trainer.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click on the Facebook icon. If you're in Facebook already, Facebook.com slash simtrainer will take you to our page as well uh, and and we will post things there as we have them uh, we you know share things that we find individually and we also post things on our own pages so you're welcome to follow us uh, Jeff Pedro and Mark Avery and you'll find us our stuff posted on the Facebook yeah. page as and, well and, and coming soon by way of uh, product uh, I know several people out there have asked about the Ruger 5.7 that's probably the next one we're hoping to get our hands on and once we get that we're going to feature that gun and give people an opportunity to come in and shoot it I'm looking and forward also, to trying that also the Springfield Hellcat um, I suspect we'll have one of those here in the next few days and uh, once we uh, get that out, we'll make sure that we get the word out so that people can uh, start shooting those guns if they're interested in trying them out and maybe adding them to their arsenal. So, guy, keep in touch with us over the next three weeks uh, via our Facebook page and coming down to the range. And, and you can also go to sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link if you want to contact us directly. That's a great way to get a hold of us, and we'll, we'll be sure to answer those emails as quickly as we get them. And then as uh, there are topics that need to be brought up in the air, We'll see you back on the air on the 29th of February. Thanks very much for joining us today. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.